Church, what is up? Church, you there? Man, it's been a good morning. It's been a good weekend. It is so good uh, to be with you. We want to welcome our online crowd. Thank you for joining us online on the live stream. I will remind you, it is today and it is next week and it is over. The live stream will end and we are back to uh, live, in-person, two services. Remember, uh, Chauncey announced that earlier, 9 and 11, starting in two weeks. So figure out what you're going to be, a 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Uh, but it's just super cool to see God working amongst the world, amongst the country, but amongst us. Uh, Monday night, we had our Welcome to Relentless event. And uh, just super encouraged. We had 20-some folks here. Almost all of them are like three months or less new to Relentless Church, all right, just to see God bringing folks from all kinds of stories and beautiful things, so God's working in that. And to go to two services is a big move uh, for us. We want to bless our volunteers, our servant leaders, and let them serve and come to church. Um, and we're back to the place where we can be who we always were pre-pandemic, which is always looking for who you're bringing, right? So you don't even have to wait two weeks. You can start immediately, but in two weeks, we're back fully being, and we're bringing coffee back. What's up? Addicts, all the addicts clapped. Um, and we're continuing today this beautiful Behind the Music series. We're not preaching songs to preach songs. We're preaching songs because there's scripture in the songs. Um, so we're super excited to continue that today. And I was thinking about this crowd, right? Uh, you guys are on, with us online, um, but specifically you guys in the room, all of you drove some amount of time, some more than others. Uh, to be here. And all of you probably listened to something, right? Some of you maybe didn't, maybe just sat and enjoyed the silence. Some of you are doing the podcast or the playlist or the Spotify, or some of you are old school and you listen to this thing called a radio station, right? All those. But here's the thing. We're conditioned to listen to what we want to listen to, right? When you're in the car, when I'm in the car, I do not listen to music I do not like. And when I'm in the car alone, I do not listen to music I do not like, if you know what I'm saying, parents, right? Sometimes, right? So, so music, it's preference, it's opinion, like we, that's okay. But that's like 90%, for some of us, that's a big percentage of the you know, relationship with music. And then we come in here as a church and we worship and it's different, right? Because it's not about preference, it's not about, ooh, I like that. It's about, as we get behind the music, it's about something that God came up with. Like, man, it, I, you know, I always tell people, it wasn't the pretty singers. You know, there's, there's people that just got beautiful voices, and sometimes we love them, and sometimes it's like, man, it gets on my nerves how pretty you sing, because I don't, right? And it becomes all that. And, and it wasn't the pretty singers that came up with worship, right? Sometimes you think it's all the people. No, it was God that said, I don't care if it's pretty. If your voice ain't pretty, whose fault is that? It's God's. He gave you that voice, right? He loves it. He doesn't care. He wants his people individually. Some of you in this series have begun to worship in the car, in the bathroom, in the closet. For the first time, you're worshiping alone at home, which is awesome and life and church changing. But he also loves it when his people come together with all their stuff and with all their different and collectively bring it to him like we just did. And, and it's not about, you know, preference or what you like or what I like. It's about what, what we are and who he is. And as a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic church, right, that's the difference. The, the multi-ethnic movement that we're a part of is basically 20 years old. So, so there's been more happening in, in worship and multi-ethnic church world in the last 20 years than the previous 200 combined. That's a big deal. 
right? And now we have, a couple weeks ago, we're going to do a song today uh, uh, from a group called Maverick City, right? And we just never had this crossover. It was kind of segregated for a lot of years in American church of how things happened. And now there's this group, and it's not just them, right? It's a lot of things happening, but Maverick City, uh, white, black, Latino together, and they're crossing over, and churches on the West Coast in a few hours are going to sing Maverick City songs in East Coast, South, and North, and, and it's, it's college students, it's generational, it's all over, like things are happening that we've never, ever seen before. They're doing their first uh, uh, concert experience in Puerto Rico next month. Like it's, it's expand, it's global, and we're singing the same songs, maybe with some different, you know, little flavors to it. And, and one of the beautiful things is, if you know about worship in, in Psalms, the Old Testament, it talks about singing, God said, sing a new song. Right? Why would he say that? Is it because God's up there and he's like, y'all, I've heard this one a lot. Like, come on. It does, he doesn't get tired of our songs, right? He, he loves our hearts of worship. Why did he say sing a new? He said it because he's a God who's new every day, who's always moving. Because he's always doing new stuff in us and among us. He wants our songs to reflect. He wants to do something in your life. Like, oh, I got to sing that. That's how these songs are. You know, they come from God moving in people's hearts and lives and songwriters and all this stuff. And he loves it when we sing a new song because he's doing new stuff in us and among us. And this morning, uh, we're going to teach you a new song. We've done it a few times, so you may have heard it if you've been around. But it it was new to me um, until just a few months ago. And I, I want you to... Watch about a minute and a half of this song on, on video from Maverick City. Watch, watch just get the, the beginning of it, and then I'm going to preach it, and then you're going to get a chance to sing it from the guts of your soul at the end of the service. Check this out. God will work it out. much, right? I could, I could preach this song for hours. I, I, I want to just start where they started. She said, before I knew my name, I drew a breath. God was making ways for me. You know, Joy uh, Bay, our women's pastor, did such a, she preached last week, uh, and it was beautiful, and she, she referenced this verse from Psalm 139 that we're fearfully 
and wonderfully made. And, and we, there's always seasons, there's always a lot uh, going on in our, in our church um, with lives, uh, but we've uh, told you last week the blessing of, of Seth and Stephanie's uh, healthy baby girl, June. Um, that was like 10 days ago, and then four or five days later, Raph and Misty's healthy uh, baby girl, Nina, was born uh, this week. So we have two brand new staff babies doing great. Amen. Yep. And, and to think about before their parents named them, like God knew, right? So you know, we have so much going on in our culture and, and, and there's so much going on uh, in, the, in the world of mental health and that's so complicated and layered, but, but, but so much of the battle, especially with our young people, so much of the battle is, is if the enemy can start with a randomness, if they can buy into reality, which is false, but if they can buy into the false reality that maybe you're just here to do whatever you want to do, that there is no plan, there is no design, there, 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 is, there is no structure, there is no personal God, he doesn't know your name, you're just here, figure it out, do what you want to do, and then it's over. If, if we can get young people to, to wonder if there's any purpose for their life, man, the power negatively from that. Where scripture has taught us from the beginning that you were knit together in your mother's womb, that God saw you before you even had a name. God was working and planning. He's real. He doesn't, he, no one is invisible to our God, right? And we don't just need to know that. We need to sing that. And she goes right from that amazing line that God was making a way for me before I was even born. That's crazy. That's true. He was making a way for you before you were even born. She goes right from that to this line of, Man, when my heart is full of doubt, one of the things I love about Maverick City is their authenticity and rawness. They're not afraid to put in the second line of a song. My heart is sometimes full, full of doubt. And when my faith is running out, some of you grew up in situations, some of them even religious situations where doubt was not okay, where you were shamed or shunned. And if you had some doubt, then you were taught to hide it because that's offensive to God. That's a lie. You're going to have seasons of doubt. And if you don't, then I'm really worried about you, honestly. And I know the scripture talks about, hey, he's double-minded, and, and there are some scriptures about doubt, but, but the context is, hey, when I'm coming to God in faith and asking for this, but I don't think he can do it, like that's a doubt that's going to be a problem. But we're going to have, in general, we're going to have moments and seasons of doubt. It's what we do in that situation. Some of you that... Keep up with the Joneses. Hey, it's a cool phrase, keeping up with the Joneses. Um, you know, we're playing basketball. We've got tournaments. We, we've had an incredible year. I am blessed to coach a varsity girls team with my daughter on it. I've got several of my ladies in the house today, which is cool to see them here. We've got a big week of our last East Coast tournament coming this week. Um, so we're, I said, hey, if y'all want to come, and they all, a lot of them have churches, but some of them are in the room. And one of our favorite things to do at practice is something we call 90 Seconds. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's not their favorite at all. Um, and it's just, a, it's just a conditioning drill exercise where you go side to side, sideline to sideline, as many times as you can in 90 seconds. And when I first heard about it, it was like 90 seconds. I can do anything for 90 seconds, right? So I'd watch them and like, come on, come on. So then I started this season. We had a whole 
moment in the middle of the season where we had to admit we are not in the condition to do and be what God has called us to be in this team. Like, we got to do better. So they committed to getting in the best shape of their season. And me and my assistant coach, we committed to do that with them. So we're running and doing all this stuff. So I'm in 90 seconds with them, and we're doing 90 seconds. And, and if you've never done anything like that, it is, uh, it is, it is really cool for about 20 seconds. <laughs> and then it starts to hit me, right? And they get frustrated because they can't beat me. That really frustrates them. Like they can't. That's a lie. Um, they can and, and they do. But you come to this moment somewhere around halfway, you know, uh, about a minute in and your body starts to tell you just to coast, just survive. It's not worth, you know, death, right? And I always tell you, you're not going to die running this drill. You're not. But you have a choice to either push through that moment like attack it, like I'm gonna, I can do, I'm gonna push through it or to pull back and survive, right? And the payoff athletically from pushing through those moments, like that's what, that's the joy of coaching to see athletes push through, like it's, it's amazing, right? And, and it ain't just them youngins, right? I'm, I'm a little faster than I was a few months ago. You're laughing at me, not with me. The point, doubts. They're coming. We get a choice to push through those. Right? It doesn't mean they all go away, but if you push through, if you invite God, if you'll be real with God, God, I'm struggling with doubt. I don't even know if you're hearing this prayer. I believe stuff my whole life, and today, I don't even know what I believe. If you come to God with that, he will show up in your doubts. When your faith is running, that's why. What do we do a lot of times when we doubt? Human nature, what do we do? We isolate The enemy has got so much out of the last two years through us isolating ourselves. When I'm in doubt is when I need to be with you the most. We need each other. Those two lines from the song, Build to Chorus, the name of the song, the main thing that we're going to focus on today, this simple line that God will work it out. And I bet if we went, which we won't, seat to seat, How do those five words hit you? God will work it out. It's going to be a lot of differences in how you receive that phrase. I love it. I love this song. But I I think it can be offensive. Right? If we we just oversimplify and kind of maybe flippantly, and you're coming today after church, and you're talking about about how hard something is in your life, and if we just like, hey, you know what? God will work it out. You want to go eat lunch, right? It's like, it, it can be confusing. It can be offensive. It can be a lot of things. Not because it's not true. I, I think we say things, and I know we mean well, but there's phrases that get on my nerves, honestly. Phrases like, everything happens for a reason. Phrases like, it's all part of God's plan. They're not wrong. They just need a little more context. Don't just say that and walk away. Everything does happen for a reason. Often the reason is our foolishness, right? That's the reason things happen because we rebel against God. We reject God. We don't God. And sometimes bad things happen because of that. And everything happens for a reason. It's all part. What, what people hear sometimes when we say it's all part of God's plan, what people hear is that thing that happened to you, God wanted that to happen. That's offensive, and it's false, 
right? It's a little tricky, right? Because there's a sovereign God who knows all and, and in some ways does allow all, but that's completely different than saying God wanted that to happen to you. He didn't, right? We had a perfect world pre-sin, right? And it didn't have all the stuff that we have in our world today. So here, here's the analogy I want you to picture with me. If we're, if we're going on a trip, if we're going on a journey, if we're on the road and we're going somewhere, we're moving forward. But on that trip, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be uh, roadblocks. There's going to be weather. There's going to be a uh, flat tire. There's going to be all this stuff in the road in our way. God is moving and God will work it out. But, but he's not, it's not going to be a clear path. Not on this earth, not with our brokenness. There's going to be stuff that gets in the way, and some of it's minor that's going to cost you a few minutes, and some of it is major, traumatic issues that are going to be in opposition to your trip. So God is moving, and God will work it out. He'll keep coming, but he, he doesn't want those things. He's just going to be able, no matter what comes, to work in, around, and through anything. So let's make sure we understand and people that we're loving on in this world understand when we say God will work it out, that is, it's not like a little minor, hey, it'll be okay. It, it, it might not be okay for a while, but in the not being okay, God will be present and real and good and in everything, he just keeps finding a supernatural way to work things out. And some of you know that, you've experienced that, you've felt that in your own life. It's important for us to say that everything is not God's will, right? Everything that happens is not God's will. And if you don't know that, man, you're going to be messed up in this world. Like God's will always happens. No, it doesn't. Now, there's a sovereign God's will, like Jesus was going to die on the cross. He was going to raise from the dead. He's going to come back. Like there's nothing that can stop that. But there's a lot of evil that happens every day that is not the will of God. He allows it because he gives us choice, and our choices bring a lot of that. And some of that's unexplainable. But everything is not God's will. We, we know that from Romans, right? The, our bodies present your lives as a living sacrifice. And then it says, we've preached this before, don't, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Like there's a pattern that's the stuff that this world's about that we're not. Don't, don't, don't fall into that. Instead, be transformed. That's why we're here, church. That's why we're coming back to services in the room. We are becoming shaped, formed as Christ. We're transformed over transaction. We're a transformational church over transaction. Be transformed. Why? For the renewing of your mind. As God changes, he'll change your mind. He changes your mind. He changes your action. changes your life. And then there's a promise. If you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to know and test God's perfect will. The implication is, you know his will by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your mind and transformation. The implication is, if you're not having your mind renewed through the Holy Spirit and Scripture and sitting with Jesus, then you will not know God's will. And if you don't know God's will, you won't do and live God's will. So we know everything isn't God's will. Yet, even when I have turned my back on God, even when I have lived outside of his will, even in that, God is still moving. God is still working, right? Even in my outright rebellion, there's a constant, current, consistent movement of a God that is working things out. You might even say he's relentless in his 
working. And we see this all through Scripture, all through uh, folks in the Old Testament uh, and their stories, all through verses and, and letters in the New Testament. We see it, Philippians, this, this phrase that Paul uses that he began a good work in you. He who began a good work will bring it to completion. That's a working it out. We see it in Ephesians where you talk about, you know, anything, uh, he'll do more than you can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work, that his power is at work for glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. All right, and we could talk about a lot of that, but I want to sit on, on one from Romans 8, and, and Paul's finishing this amazing paragraph, which we'll reference in a second, but 8.28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Let's make sure we see what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that all things are good. But you hurt people when you, when you act like everything's great. It's not. Not on this earth. We're broken. All things are not good. It doesn't say that all things are good. It says that all things work together. For those who love God, all things work together for good. There's a massive difference with God being able to work everything out that's not good for good between that and saying that, hey, everything's good. We lose credibility. And honestly, we lie and hurt people when we act like everything's good. Everything's not good. Not today. Not in your life. Everything can't always be good, and that's okay. But in that, God's working everything out for his good. That's huge in that verse. It's, it's, it has been mispreached so many times that God's working everything out for your good. It doesn't say that, right? And I know it's a little bit of just words and how you hear it, but honestly, if I preach to you and you leave here leaving that there's a God in the universe who created you and his whole reason to exist is for your good and benefit, you're gonna leave here messed up. If you think there's a God of the universe who, who orders and does the weather and, and hears prayers and, and decides what happens and doesn't happen all for one reason and that is for your benefit, your God, and he's your genie. That is not the bought child servant master relationship that scripture describes. He's not your genie. He's not my genie. He's my God. He's my master. He's my Lord. He's my savior. He's my friend. He's my everything. And, and his world does not center around me. My world centers around him. And what it says is he's going to work all things together for his good. Now, his good and my good, right? They work together. They're not against each other. But sometimes his good is hard for me to understand. He has factors and information that I will never have. And he's working all things out together for the good of his kingdom and his glory and his church. And that's a good thing. But it's different than making him my personal genie, working everything out. Now you pray, like he loves it when you pray about the weather. He loves it. Like I'm having this event and I need this to be a clear day, right? And he may or may not answer, but he, he's your father. He wants you to bring stuff as long as you're understanding and trust who he is, who you are. You know, the, the 828, the, the 10 verses before that, you know what the context is? You know what he's talking about before he finishes with this amazing line that who, whoever loves God, all things work together for good. Before that, for about 10 verses, he's talking about how messed up this world is. He's talking about suffering. 
He's talking about corruption of these bodies and how they decay and how sin has ruined everything, but God had a plan and and everything will be made right. But the context is suffering and death and really hard things. And if we teach people, God's going to work everything for your good, and and we don't tell them that suffering is a part of life, then they're going to just think that everything's great until it isn't. And then what do they do? They assume God wasn't who they were taught, and they lose faith. It doesn't help people. In fact, in the end, it hurts people. God will work it out. But that can look a thousand ways. Unexplainable, sometimes complicated. My favorite line of this song, or favorite little phrase, one that I've been singing for months now and just from my heart, says one thing I one thing I've found. And then it goes back to God will work it out. But one thing I know, one thing I've found. That's what we want for you, church. Some of you are, are, are self-identified skeptics. I'm not sure if Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead. I'm, and we're so glad you're here. This is the right place for you. Some of you have been walking with and following us for years. What we want for all of you it's not, not from what I say, not from what somebody else, that your story and testimony would be, you know what? There's a lot that I don't understand on this planet, but one thing I know, one thing that I have found, my own testimony, I don't need somebody else's testimony, I have found that God will work it out. Right, if that's your story, right, that's celebrated. That's, that's worth celebrating. If that's not your story, And let's go back to the gospel because it's all built on this beautiful combo, this dynamic duo of love and power. The gospel is that you are so loved. Not just you, Relentless Church, not just you, mankind, you. Put your name in the blank. Is that not crazy? Like, I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you're thinking about. I don't care how your life's going. You are so intimately loved by your creator, not based on your performance. Like he created you, he knit you together fearfully and wonderfully. He made plans, he wants to make a way. He loves you. And he didn't just say it, he proved it. He sent Jesus to be your penalty, to be your punishment, to pay your ransom, to buy you back, to redeem you, because your sin kept you from being in this beautiful love relationship with your father. So he did for you what you could not do for yourself. He sent Jesus as an act and demonstration. How much do I love you? This is before you ever even followed me or trusted me or or did the right things. I'm going to send Jesus. That's how much I love you. So it's the love partnered with the power. He's not just going to die for you. He's going to defeat death. He's going to walk out of a grave just so there's no question of who we're talking about. He's going to defeat the one thing that no century, no generation, no technological advancement ever will be able to, hey, we figured out how not to die. I'm going to defeat the one thing 2,000 years ago that I know they'll never figure out. Power. And he gave us love and power in this life world-changing event through the cross and resurrection. And that's supposed to be what we fall back on. Like if he can work out death... And I don't say this to minimize anything in the room, because I know this heavy in the room, but he wants you to see, hey, if I could work out death, I can work out what you're walking through. If I can show up in an empty tomb, I can show up 
and your disease and your depression and your anxiety and your issue and your faith or faithlessness. And it's that love and power in the cross that changed everything, but it's not just that. Some of you are still, I've been walking with some of you for a while, you're still stuck in, well, Jesus did this for me, and that's all I got. No, Jesus did this for me, and that love and power shows up in your life now. It's not, he did something, and now he's sleeping until one day he'll do something again. He's working all through it. How do you know? You trust him in your daily life, and you see, and you have your own powerful testimony. God worked it out in me. We have story after story in this room, in our church, of God working out in your lives. In our church is one that is kind of the easiest. And, and because we got so many new folks, man, we need to keep telling this story. Because I didn't tell it Monday night because I told him I was going to tell it today. Anytime I'm in this room, I, I got to praise God for God working it out. We were in the theater. We started in 2014. We were there for five years. Four years, four and a half years. So 2018, we were growing we were outgrowing the theater. We didn't have money to buy something or build something. There, there's not a lot of options as far as, you know, where could house us. And I didn't, I'd never done this before. I didn't know what to do. Well, then um, our, our contact at Regal, it was a Regal Theater, they had thousands of churches and theaters across the country. They had the, a whole department of Regal Theaters to have churches on Sunday morning. Well, Regal got bought out by, by a company uh, in Europe. And they told me, it's like, hey, we're not kicking you out, but we've heard enough from corporate. Like, this is going to be, this negotiation is going to be more difficult than it's been, right? And we started to feel how things were changing and things that we were allowed to do. Now we weren't allowed to do. And it's like, man, we, we don't fit here. And, and, and I don't know what to do. So we just had a, a, some prayer and fasting. I did a day where I just listened in God through scripture and, and he gave us and in October of 2018, he just spoke through scripture and gave, told, asked us to have a confidence of boldness that he's got it, but he didn't say what that meant. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm confident and bold, but I don't know what that means. And, and a few weeks later, this is not preacherified. This is what happened. <laughs> a few weeks later, I just preached two services at the theater. Some things had gone wrong and load in. You guys remember some of you were there like it, we, we hook the stuff up the same way every week, and it didn't work the same way every week. I don't, Satan lives in technology sometimes, and, and we had had a rough morning, and some stuff didn't work, and I preached two services, and I was tired, and, and, a, and an old friend that I hadn't seen for three years, Stephen, had prayed the night before, I didn't know this, had prayed the night before, he had bought this building, it had had a church in it. It's his whole construction business over here, he had, and it had a church in it that had moved to North Raleigh, so he knew he had space, and he, and he put Relentless Church on Stephen's mind. I didn't know any of this. And he said, God, if that's what I, if I'm hearing you right, then, then show me that through how David answers this question. He comes out, I don't know any of that. He comes up to me after this service. And, and I, you know, I'm, it's been a long morning. And he, no like, how, and he hits me with, what, what is the most important need of Relentless Church right now? And like, usually I would have like a good, sensible answer but I was like unfiltered done and, and I, I knew him like he's a guy that you can you know you don't have to like filter your words with so I was like dude I don't even know how to answer that right now give me a minute but I do know we got to get out of here like we got we can't we, we got to get a new place I don't know and I didn't know anything else later as he tells the story as some of you've heard him tell the story like that was the answer to him he said hey you need to come check out this place and we 
have the same rent as we had the theater. We got that for six hours and it was getting bad and we were gonna outgrow it. Now we have offices, we can do events like Monday night, we can do worship team. Like he, and and you, some of you know, like even since we've been here, right, since January of 2019, it happened quick. Like this place has completely changed. They're constantly like improving and upgrading and buying stuff for, you know, for all the stuff he does and we just get the blessing of it. God will work it out. Right? He gave us that story just to let, like, I w- I'm with you. And it's not just that story. I had, this is the beautiful thing. I have this whole stack of stories I can choose to tell you. I wanted to tell you that one because it's so personal to us in our church. But in my own life, in my own marriage, in my, each of my you know, kids, there's an own miracle in that. Like, constantly, if you start to build your stack of stories of how God has worked it out, man, your faith just gets on fire. And our heart is for those of you who doesn't really have a stack. I don't really know how God's come through, right? Because the, the first story is sometimes the best story, and then they just get momentum. The point is that God will work it out, and he'll show that. It's not just something I want you to believe and sing because he did something a long time ago. It's because he is working. Trust in the Lord, right? Proverbs 3, 5, a lot of people Quote this verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart, acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your paths straight. Right? That's a, that's a God will work it out verse. He'll straighten your paths. When your path feels and is crooked, he will show up in that, and he'll work it out. Like, I don't like it when my kids use the work. Right? We're so lucky. No, we're not lucky. Right? There's lucky shots in basketball when you bank in the three. I was lucky. You didn't mean to do that. So I'll give it to you in sports. But in life, when, when God is good and he works out, like, we're not lucky. We're blessed. People have said to me, if you know my wife, right, people have said to me, dude, you lucked up, right? I didn't luck up. There's no luck in this. There's a miracle of God that she said yes to me, right? That ain't luck, right? Words. Matter, you know, we're, we're going through, I hope you know, if you don't know, you're about to know, we're going through Mark together as a church, a chapter a week, because we want to slow burn this. We want to not rush through it. And, and some of you, I think I've explained it poorly because you think, well, I just, I'm supposed to listen to the, to the chapter. Like, yeah, listen to it on the way to work. That's part of it if you want, but, but don't stop there. Right? We, we want to listen, we want to soak, we want to meditate, we want to pray through, we want to discuss, we want to sit in the truth for a whole, reading the same thing, but we did a whole video, go check it out, it's on our channel, it's called Reading the Bible is Overrated, because we're not trying to read it, we're trying to meet God in his word, completely different deal. A chapter a week, we just finished Mark 6 last week, so Mark 7 starts today. If you didn't know anything about that or you haven't done any of that, come on, Mark 7, you don't even have to catch up. No homework. Just start in Mark 7. God will meet you there. If you want to catch up, you can. Last week, Mark 6, if you were with us, Jesus shows up in his hometown. And they're like, we know you. That's, that's, that's cousin. You know, we know your mama. We know your daddy. We know your people. We know your brothers. We know it. Like, we remember you. You used to run around here and ride your bike and act. You know what? You can't be. Son of God, like nobody's buying that. And it says, crazy, right? It says Jesus couldn't do much there. What? All power Jesus that we just said rose from the dead, he, he, he couldn't pull stuff off? No, no, it's not that he couldn't pull stuff off. It's that his power is always connected to our faith. And because there was no faith and they weren't buying it, 
Like he didn't let the power flow and it wasn't a lot. He said he, he, he wasn't powerless. He healed a few people, but it wasn't like it was the other places. And this, this is the phrase that just stuck with me all week. It says that Jesus marveled at their unbelief. Jesus was, this is God in a human body on earth, and he is amazed at what? He's amazed at their lack of faith. And before I get all upset with them, I just knew that there have been times in my life, even though God has given me so much to know that he will always work it out, where I doubt, where I whine, where I fall apart, and I bet there's been times when Jesus is like amazed at my lack of faith. And I want our church and I want my life to be the opposite. I want us to amaze Jesus. You know, the two things that amaze Jesus and Mark are people's faith and his hometown's lack of faith. And part of this faith, and this is so fun as we live this out this week and, and hopefully the rest of our lives. It's so fun to start to live a God will work it out life. When everything looks messed up, God will work it out. Right? Just even when it, when it looks and feels foolish. No, you know what? God will work it out. To apply that to your life, to get overconfident that God will work it out. What are you talking about? God will work it out. Like nothing looks like God's working it out. I know. And that's where my faith kicks in and that extra. There's no sense in this. There's no logic in this. There's no proof in this today. But I know my God and he'll work it out. That will change, that approach perspective will change your week. You know, I was talking about load out, load in, load out, the theater. Um, some of you remember this story. Six years ago, probably, we were loading out and, and I was paying attention to what we were doing, but I noticed some people in our group looking across the parking lot, yelling at this truck. This truck was backing into a parking place and, and going faster than some people think he should have as he was backing into this parking place. And there was a car in the parking space behind where he was backing into, right? And he was going faster than normally. So they assumed he didn't see the car, right? When he got close to the car, he slowed down, but he kept coming. Like he was yards away and then he was feet away and he kept backing up. So now these people are like walking toward it, like, hey, trying to get his attention. It's a big old truck with tinted windows and, and he ain't stopping. And he keeps coming back until it's like millimeters from that car. Then he puts it, and he jumps out, and they're like, he's like, I got it, y'all. I got a backup camera, right? And like six years ago, those weren't as prevalent as they are today, but he could see everything that we couldn't see, and they were assuming, dude has no idea what he's doing. He's going to cause a wreck in a movie theater parking lot just because he's not paying attention. We got to help him out. God sees. God knows. And sometimes it's going to look like, dude, what, God, like what, like what, what are you doing? Why would you? You don't have to understand why he's doing what he's doing or why he's not doing what he's not doing. You just got to know who's driving the truck. You got to know who he is and that he is for you, that he is good, that he is real, that he is consistent that he's not going to mess it up, and that he's going to work it out. You know, we, sometimes it can sound like we have a, a cop-out, right? Um, well, you just always say, Pastor, you just always say it'll work out in the end. Well, I need it to work out in the middle, right? 
And what we do in the middle is we just be still sometimes. It's like, oh, that's, that's not helpful. It, it actually is. Just be still and know. So he said, just be still and know that I am God, that I'm driving and you don't see what I see. And I'm not being dirty and I'm not being deceptive and I'm not trying to punish you just to some random test. Like I got a plan and I'm working it out and you don't need to understand it all. But I want you to trust me. And sometimes we just need to be still and do that. And there is a piece of this life and it's not a cop out. Stuff we just got to wait. Right, you guys know the story. I told you a few weeks ago, it was the 10-year anniversary of my dad's death. When he was diagnosed in 2010, we started praying. And we were praying very specifically and very faithfully and boldly for him, for him to be healed. And some might look and say, well, God didn't work that out because he died in 2012. And I would say he did. Like, he actually did. He didn't answer the prayer that I was praying. And it hurts, and, you know, my kids are, are doing all these things in teenagers' life, and we talk about it often, Kelly and I, and think about, man, he, that my mom and dad, uh, who are both with Jesus now, they, they would love to see that. Oh, I wish they were here to see it. And then God reminded me, you know, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. They do see. I don't get to see them seeing, which is what I want, but they do see, and there will be a great reunion it's not a fairy tale that we say at funerals so we can get through this life. It's real. They are with Jesus. We are accelerating. We're on a path. We're moving towards a day where a lot of what you think matters so much will matter none. He did work it out when he rose from the dead because his defeat of death bought my dad and mom's defeat of death. They are waiting in a place that's real. We're forever focused. We're closer than we've ever been. It's coming. And there's some things that God told us in advance because of sin and brokenness that will just be jacked up on this planet, but not forever. He will work everything out. Now, he's not waiting to work everything out. He's working right now. But there's some things that aren't going to get made right on my timeline. And we need to believe that. And we need to know that, but we also need, church, to sing that. His idea, not mine. We need to sing it. It's power in singing the truth of God. Well, isn't there power in saying it? There's absolutely power in saying it, but there's power in saying it and singing it. I don't even understand it fully. God invented his people declaring truth together in song. He loves it. I don't know what this week holds for you. I don't know what you're walking through, but I do know the one who holds it, and that's enough. One thing I do know, and one thing I have found, is that God will work it out. Would you stand, let me pray for us, and then we're going to worship this God who's never seen a situation that he can't work in and through. Father, you know what I don't. You know what's in this room. You know what's online. You know all that we're bringing into this day. And God, I thank you for the testimonies in this room and in our church. I thank you for people that have just trusted you when it didn't make sense and just walked through incredibly tough things. And their testimony, their true story is, yeah, God met me in my pain. He met me in the worst.
And God, not just the tragedy and the trauma, God, for all the this things of life that you've worked out, the beautiful things, the joy, the family, the relationships, the blessing, all the ways and times that you've just kept working. Would you focus our minds and hearts right now, not on what's coming later, but on right now, that we could be still, that we could know that you're God of our life, of our situation And that we would have the collective story that we know. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know, my God, I know he'll work it out. 